E. We pause before we come to your word because we have lots of things on our hearts and on our minds. Many of us have come to this gathering with very real struggles. There are people in this very room who struggle with financial issues, marital frustrations, work frustrations, people who are suffering from addictions, people who suffer from depression. There are people among us, Lord, who have physical suffering in a way that pushes out everything else and that it sort of paralyzes. And so as we approach your word, Lord, we want to um, pause and ask you to teach us. We want you to fill us. We want your spirit to lead and guide our hearts and our minds. We know, Lord, that you have work to do in our hearts and in our families, in this congregation, and in the world. So, Father, we want to open ourselves to hear what you would have us know so that you would send us as people to do your work in the world. Father, help us to have a relationship with you that, that is without ceasing, that moves in and out of conversation with you as normally and as readily and naturally as we speak. Father, feed us with that kind of prayer life, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Prayer is one of those things that, you know, you, you think, I got this, it's talking with God, covered. Easy, right? I mean, like like Christians, you know, you ask somebody, what is prayer? Well, it's, it's talking with God, right? I mean, it's just conversation, communication uh, to and from God. That's, that's what prayer is, which is true, and that's easy. We get that. We have a prayer list every week. There are things listed there. Um, I'm supposed to pray for these people, so dear Lord, please help, da-da-da, because da-da-da. And, and like, like I'm done, I'm praying. That's it. At the same time, it's something that is, that is complex in a way that a lot of believers struggle with, frankly. I mean, it's something that, on the one hand, is, is simple to understand, and yet, on the other hand, it's a struggle for us. Why do I pray? What's the purpose of prayer? Is it about changing like what, what God wants to do? I mean, when I pray, is my purpose to change my circumstances by, by telling God what I need? Or is prayer about our hearts being changed? Is, is prayer about a relationship with God where, where I continue to reflect more and more who he is? It's all those things, of course. Um, but it's something that we all, in our own different ways, wherever we are in our relationship with God, regardless of the maturity, struggle with a little bit here and there. And we all have room to grow in it as well. I know that I do. There was a, there's this little scene, this little illustration that, that, that typifies sort of the, the misunderstandings about prayer. There was this dad and his small son who were off for the day doing errands in town. And it was about lunchtime, so they decided they were going to go to the local diner and, and get, a, get a sandwich together. And, and so 
when the waiter brought the sandwiches, the dad sort of leaned over to the little son, probably four years old, five years old maybe, and he, and he said, son, let's just have a silent prayer. Oh, okay, silent prayer. So the boy bows his head and the dad bows his head. And after the dad's done with his silent prayer, he looks up and <laughs> the little boy's still going. And, and so dad, you know, waits for a while, and, and the little boy keeps going, and, and it's an unusually long time, and when the boy finally looked up, Dad asked, what in the world were you praying about all that time? And with the innocence and the honesty of a, of a little child, he said, how do I know? It was silent prayer. Prayer can be a, a wonderful and yet at the same time mysterious part of the active and growing Christian life. Martin Luther said, pray as if everything depends on it and work as if everything depends on you. Pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. I, I can handle that. I can, I can get that. I, I grasp that. But, but when we come to passages like this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we come across this and we think, pray without ceasing? Like, always be praying? Because, because I come across a passage like that, and, and, I, and my first thought is, I am never going to attain. I am never going to attain to that level of like godliness and, and saintliness, where I am praying without ceasing. Like, like I'm a monk who takes a vow of silence so I can forever talk with God. I mean, that's sort of the, the vision that we think of. So what is it exactly does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, the question, of course, comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, where it simply says this, and this is the shortest verse in the Bible. It's not Jesus wept, and here's the Bible nerd reason why. Jesus wept is actually three in the Greek. This is two in the Greek. So, so if anybody says the shortest verse in the Bible is John 11:35, you can say, no, it's not. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in the Greek. So um, put that in your back pocket, Bible nerds. Um, So the first thought we have when we read this passage is, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Like, how, how am I supposed to pray ceaselessly, nonstop, always happening? No, no, sorry, I, I I, I can't talk now. I'm ceaselessly praying. It's going to look kind of weird when you're in the grocery store and somebody at church comes along. You're like, don't mess up my ceaseless prayer, you know. It it feels like a tall order. This is sort of one of those passages you come across like when it says, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off, where our first thought is, okay, so, so where, where's the line for that, Lord? How far am I supposed to take that? If it's, if it's been more than three seconds between prayerful thought or word, is that not ceaseless? I mean, we can get into all sorts of weird ways of talking about this kind of thing when, when we want to, to measure, we want to measure ourselves. And that's how we approach this passage. It's easy for us to approach it from this self centered way of thinking that this is what God intends for us. Obviously, this verse is not necessarily commanding you to take a vow of silence. If if you want to be quiet and pray more, one would think that's an okay idea. I'm not here to tell you that, that more of your silence with people 
is not the goal, because make that a goal if it's yours. We could all use some of that. What do you think? What I, what I think is meant here, and this is the the blank in the outline. The one big idea for this this idea here is that praying without ceasing, and this is the blank, is an ongoing practice. It's an ongoing, never stopping. You start it, but never stop. Never ceasing. Start it, but never stop. It's an ongoing practice and attitude of prayer and mindfulness of God's presence. Whether it's spoken, whether it's unspoken, this is a description of an intimate, ongoing, personal relationship with God as a continual undercurrent of your life. That's what it's meant to be. And that's the piece that, that, that's the piece that we really need. I mean, I go, I go through a couple hours sometime in the middle of the week, and I think, I, like, I haven't even talked to God for the last couple hours. Like, I was living out of a place where my conversation with God was not that continuing undercurrent. And sometimes I get to a place where I'm thinking, where, where I've thought to myself, you know, most of today, most of today was lived that way. That's not how it's supposed to be for the believer in Christ who has an ongoing, continual presence of God awareness in their life. That's what this is about. It's sort of like motor oil for your spiritual life. It's like motor oil for relationship with God. It keeps the parts running smoothly and focused on their purpose. That's the key. That's the key, and I'll point out why in a little bit here in the next passage. Prayer is what keeps us focused on the reason we live, on the reason we exist, and the purpose that God has for our lives. Connectedness to that purpose is what prayer is about. Look closely for just a second before we jump ahead here at the words pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. In the New International Version, it says pray continually. In the New Living Translation, the NLT, it says, never stop praying. Notice that, that none of these are calling us to pray constantly as if we could ever achieve that. Now, constancy of prayer is a good goal. It's the place we need to be if that relationship with God is going to feed us and keep us focused on his purposes. First Thessalonians 5 is, is just basically communicating the idea that prayer, communication with God, is something that never stops. When you started a relationship with God, it started and it never stops. It's ceaseless. It keeps going. The in and out relationship with God discussion, people and God, always happening. Engaging with people, engaging with God. Even sometimes when engaging with people, I'm trying to engage with God. If somebody says, pray for me, I try to say, let me do that right now. And if I don't, as soon as they've walked away, or even as they're talking, or as I'm trying to talk to them, I try to make it a habit. I'm praying for that person. Do you have that kind of relationship with God and one another so that you are in and out? The, the relationship is that prayer with people and prayer with God, it, it's all the same. It never stops. I wrote this in, in my Bible at the top of the page here. When we start a relationship with God, it means we never stop our conversation with God. Starting a relationship with God means never stopping 
your conversation or your dependence upon him. In fact, as we continue to pray, as we give ourselves to that relationship with God, staying a continual conversation with him through the Spirit, you will understand more keenly and more tangibly your dependence upon God. And that will feed you. That will feed you and help you fulfill his purposes for your life this side of heaven. And and the reason Paul says this here in 1 Thessalonians is as an encouragement. This whole book comes out of the context of of, of believers who who are under the weight of persecution. They're asking questions like, when's Jesus going to come back? Because, Because life is hard. Questions like many of us are asking. Many of us experience. And so... So the intent here is to say, pray without ceasing so that you will be encouraged when the going gets rough. And that fits with what Jesus says in Luke 18. Turn there with me because we're going to spend the rest of our time here in Luke 18. This is the parable of the persistent widow. And Jesus sheds light on this idea of persistent prayer, of, of continual prayer, ceaseless prayer by illustrating some truth in Luke 18. This is a parable. It's a short parable. We call it the parable of the persistent widow. A parable, we call it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's just a short story meant to illustrate a truth. And, And most of the time, Jesus uses it especially to illustrate a truth about the kingdom of God. He's saying, this is what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. And so prayer for us is in that context. We, as a part of the kingdom of God, this side of heaven, prayer is a little different than others who don't have a relationship with God might think about it. So this parable helps us understand 1 Thessalonians 5. and tells us why constant prayer is important. Look at verse 1. It says this. Luke 18.1, and he told them a parable. This is Jesus, is he there? Jesus told them, the them is the Pharisees. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. If you're a Bible circler taking notes there, write them, circle them and write Pharisees. And then also write Luke 17. This part here in Luke 18 comes on the heels of, of Jesus answering the Pharisees' question about the coming of Christ, about the coming of the kingdom. And, and really, Luke 18 is a continuing part of that previous story in Luke 17. In fact, the very first words where it says, and he told them, is literally, and he was saying to them. So Jesus is just continuing this conversation, answering the Pharisees as they ask him questions. He was saying to them, so that we know that chapter 18 is an extension of 17. Another thing to note here is that he is speaking to Pharisees. These are people who, who understood Jewish law. They knew the Bible frontwards and backwards. Better than anybody else of their day, they knew Scripture. And so he's giving this kind of parable in front of people who understood why what he was saying was important. Now, they rejected it, of course, later on, but, but uh, he was answering their question. So we read verse 1. We read verse 1, and we think the same kind of thing we do about 1 Thessalonians 5. We think, we think it means we should not lose heart in our praying, as if, as if that's the purpose of why Jesus is telling this parable. He's, he's not, in fact, saying this is something you need to try hard at, though I think we should try hard at it. 
He's saying that's not, the, that's not the main gist. That's not the main intent. In fact, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. It's that in life, this side of heaven, it is prayer that enables us to not lose heart. Given the context of Luke 17, go ahead and read it later on. What Jesus is saying, this side of heaven, it is prayer that enables us to not lose heart while we wait for the Lord's return. That's, that's big for understanding what's going on here and for understanding the purpose of prayer. We'll come back to that later on. So, verse 1, Luke's telling us that prayer is what enables us to have that kind of dedication while we wait, that kind of not losing heart. Verse 2, he says this, In a certain city, he's setting up the scene, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. He was sort of emotionally passive. He was uh, indifferent. You know, who cares about what God says? Who cares about people? I got my own agenda here. Um, That's what the judge is like. A judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. A widow in that day uh, who was not being taken care of would not have had any recourse. In Jewish law, remember Pharisees are listening. In Jewish law, Pharisees knew a judge was a part of the Jewish system of caring for widows and orphans. Judges were supposed to help ensure that widows and orphans were taken, were taken care of. It's all over Exodus and Deuteronomy. So this widow, who has no recourse, she's probably poor, is coming to this judge, verse 3, and saying to him, Give me justice against my adversary. She was begging him. I, I got nothing. And typically, in that day, judges were paid off. She has nothing for a bribe. And this judge has no reason, except for her persistence, to give her what she truly needs or deserves. She's begging him, give me justice by upholding the innocent and punishing the guilty. And she persevered, she persevered in her asking, and that ended up being the reason why the judge said, okay, 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 stop badgering me, I gotcha. I'll give in. Verse 4 says this, For a while he refused. She kept coming, and he kept, kept her at arm's length. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this, window keeps, this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So that she will not give me a black eye is, is the intent of that Greek phrase. It's an idiomatic phrase. So he doesn't want her to keep coming and give him a bad name. So because of her persistence, he goes ahead and, and lets, lets her get what she deserves. But, but Jesus' intent in telling this parable is not to say your prayer life needs to be marked by badgering God. That's not where he's headed. In fact, your prayer life is about something much more important. If prayer for us is a way to have God change our circumstances, who is that about? If prayer is a way for us to continue to ask for, remove this hard part, Lord, please make my life easy. Who does that serve? 
Are hearts changed by circumstances being easier? One might think the opposite. God doesn't intend for us to learn that this parable is about persistent prayer, meaning asking God again and again and again and again and again. God knows. He's got a plan. It's about us having changed hearts and hearing his plan. We'll come back to that in a little bit here. Look at verse 6. Jesus begins to sort of explain some of this. Verse 6, the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Note what the unrighteous judge said. And then he says this, verse 7, will not God give justice to his elect, to his chosen, who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Don't miss this. We think persistence in prayer is about making constant demands of God as if browbeating him is going to change his mind. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear. He wants to hear. He wants to hear your needs. But he wants to make you holy more than he wants you to have an easy life. And that's a hard place to be. That is the reason we pray. Persistent prayer really means persistently listening to making my requests known to God so that my changed heart will better understand his plans and purposes. It brings about an inner spiritual walk with Christ. Persistence in prayer isn't about changing God. It's about changing us. It's not about changing our circumstances. It's about changing our hearts. And the heart of God is to give you what you really need. The heart of God is to give you what you really need. And so Jesus responds by saying, the unjust judge did this. Think about what God wants to do. He uses a common way of speaking that that Jewish teachers would use. He's using what we call the, the argument from the lesser to the greater. Some people call it the how much more argument. They would say, when the, when the Jewish teachers were teaching, they would say, now this over here, if this is true, then how much more is this true? In other words, how precious this truth really is, given that you've already experienced this lesser important truth. So Jesus is saying here, if an unjust judge who doesn't care about widows and doesn't care about God can provide justice, then how much more will a righteous and loving judge of the whole earth who is known as a defender of the fatherless and the widow, how much more will God care for them, for what we and they really need? Look at the last half of verse 8. Last half of verse 8 says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? 
When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Luke 21 explains this verse pretty well. Luke 21, 34 to 36 sheds some light on the kind of question Jesus is asking here. Luke 21, 34 to 36, it says it this way. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times. Constant prayerfulness is an attitude and readiness and wakefulness of the power and the presence of God. Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Your, your prayer life is about being in a relationship with God so that He will recognize your voice when he comes. So that you will be empowered and enabled in a world where Jesus has not yet come back to do what he said he was going to do, but he will. It's about readiness this side of heaven, doing what you're called to do. It's about ensuring that your communication with God keeps you on point with what he wants to find you doing when he comes back. That's the part about prayer we don't, we don't take advantage of. We, we, like, we like prayer to make our lives easier. We like prayer to fix things. But what we really need is prayer that keeps us focused on eternal things. About lost people coming to know Jesus Christ. How much is your prayer life consumed with others knowing Christ? Wakefulness. Readiness. I want when Jesus comes, I want him to find me with my hand at the plow. There was a famous preacher years ago in Georgia who had lots of farming expressions and, 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 and country ways of describing Scripture. And uh, He had this, this one expression about prayer. And he said this, When a man prays for a corn crop, God expects him to say amen with a hoe. You don't just sit around waiting while praying for a corn crop. You pray so that you can pick up the hoe and get to work like you're supposed to. Doing what he's called us to do. To be a part of a harvest that he's making happen if your eyes are open. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find that kind of faith in us? When the Son of Man comes, will he recognize your voice? Will he know you? If prayer is just about us, hang it up. Prayer is connectedness to the heart of God to bring people to know and love him. Lord God, we, we have co-opted, we have stolen tools you've given us for our own purposes. And so we pray. So we carry on conversation with you because... Lord, you know that and we know that and and we, we need to repent of the many ways, Lord, that we fall short of your perfect will. And yet in that same kind of prayer of repentance, we know, Father, that you come to die for us to know you. You call us sons and daughters. You've adopted us through your son, Jesus, by the presence of Jesus in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You've adopted us as sons and daughters, as your own, because you love us like a father. And so, Father, we, we implore you that you will continue to help us grow, that you will bring about your goodness in our lives, that you will equip us more and more to make your glories known to a world that is broken. Father, give us courage, give us strength, give us power to leave this place empowered by your Holy Spirit and focused on your mission because we are praying about the things that are on your heart. Lord, make us mindful so that when you come back, when you come to take us home with you, Lord, you will recognize us. Father, we love you. And we are forever grateful for what you've done for us. Because it demonstrates so powerfully what real love looks like. Thank you for that, Lord. We are grateful to you. Amen. We want to join.